Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix, who is again back in his secret underground bunker at an undisclosed location somewhere in Southern California. I've never been there, but I hear it started, you know, did you now have a pool table and a wet bar and all sorts, well, you of, know, all sorts of accoutrements? It, it, it is so dangerous out there right now that I really do hesitate to exit the bunker. So we have brought in entertainment and other uh, sort of uh, creature comforts, you could say, uh, to make it all well. Great to be with you again, Greg. Oh, it is. And, uh, you know, um, last weekend we had, we, had, we had Katie Hopkins, and we were pleased to have her in studio. And we have another guest today. And... Uh, Pastor Kevin O'Connor of the Ark of the Nazarene Church, and he's spoken to our group, the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, a number of times these last two years at our Christmas party and also at National Day of Prayer, and we addressed Psalm 3312, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we'll talk about what that, what that means, but he... The primary reason or the immediate reason for bringing him in today is that he attended a conference of, of fellow pastors here in California called the Renewal Project. And there were 700 pastors there, and, I, and he was very excited about what he heard there, and we kind of changed his outlook somewhat about how to approach being a pastor and his role and his importance in that role. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, it was life-changing for me. You know, I've always considered myself really a more proactive pastor in the area of bringing cultural issues and bringing issues of the day, what's happening morally out there that our people should know. But uh, my eyes were really opened to how I was really still falling short of the role of the pastor to equip people to know what to do, especially in the arena of voting and what's happening within our government. And there is there. And, and I just want to expand the conversation, too, because a lot of the pastors that I have the uh, fortune to interact with have really gotten behind several different issues, one of which, and I know this is uh, true for Greg out in the Redlands area, uh, one of which has to do with the curriculum now in uh, the government-run schools, also known as the California Healthy Youth Act and the Comprehensive Sexual Education Curriculum. Uh, that has begun to really uh, raise awareness about the importance of churches engaging in the culture. And so um, it's great to get to know you, and I'm so glad you were able to get to the Renewal Project. I'm very excited to hear uh, what some of the things were that touched you about uh, what the message is. And maybe that's a good place to start since you were there. I've attended it before, but since you were there, tell us a little bit about what the purpose of the California Renewal Project is. Well, the purpose was the uh, really in many ways to confront us with a misnomer that we need to be silent on issues that uh, intersect with the government and with society because, uh, you know, people don't come to church to deal with that. They deal with it in all the other areas of life, and they want to come to church just to hear the gospel. And um, I I realized that the the Bible really – 
understands the the role that the clergy is supposed to play as shepherds it means that we're supposed to lead our flocks into what mm-hmm. is wholesome and um the separation of church and state has blurred the issues for many pastors and made them timid that if they offend one side of the aisle that they will walk from their churches while the others will go why are you bringing this stuff up also, so it didn't seem like there was any win for the pastor to to break into that uh, area and make biblical uh, connections to what people are facing. Well, and they often they'll say, "Well, there's the Johnson Amendment, or the we're going to lose our IRS status." And of course, that that just doesn't happen. And President Trump has changed how they're interpreting the Johnson Amendment to totally take that away. But I think which yes. is, is the fear that pastors, in a sense, are Small business owners, yes, nonprofit organizational okay. owners. No, but, but, yeah. but they, they, they have they have rent or mortgage to pay. They have employees. Mm-hmm. They have their own salary. They get utilities, insurance, all these kind of things. And if they lose, if they lose, you know, twenty five percent or half of their customers, the parishioners, people who are giving money to the church, then they may go out of business. So I think this, I think this economic concern is weighs weighs heavily on at least some pastors. Yeah, I don't know how it. It's never that's never weighed as heavy on me as the ability to have influence that if if your people don't trust in what you're bringing to them uh, and then there's no impact of kingdom impact of what are we trying to uh, create within our communities. And so that that weighed always heavier than the financial for me. Right. But people respond to economic incentives. And, yes. And, and pastors are people, too. Yep. But does it, but. I think things are getting to the point in California and the nation. Mm-hmm. They're saying, what, you know, you look at this triple X sex education, abortion on demand for the entire nine months of pregnancy, and thereafter now, mm-hmm. is even after you have a live, breathing baby outside the mother, it's still okay, according to some, to, to kill that baby. Yeah, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking where, where the culture and society and government has gone. I, the other you you mentioned shepherding the flock. I, I'd be interested to hear your interpretation of not just shepherding, but also being the watchman on the wall, uh, letting folks know there's danger out there, and equipping people for dealing with the quote unquote uh, enemy, whatever that may uh, be scripturally. But the watchman on the wall, I think that's a very important role, and I think in today's culture. That's a role that pastors or someone within the church can fulfill that bridges into this area. And and that's really where I was very comfortable with. I've always felt like that. It is my job to be the the watchman that sounds the alarm that these things are. uh, The culture is leading people to the broad and narrow way, uh, the the broad way, not the narrow way of of staying with with Jesus' teachings and the kingdom and how community works. And um, really, we live in a day where people do what they think is right in their own eyes. They always say, well, for me, that's, that's how most of it starts. So here's what the Renewal Project did for me in that. Um, I kind of stayed out of the politics from the pulpit for this one main reason. I felt like California was a the Titanic, and I was there to rescue the perishing, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. the ship is going down. They helped 
change that dream that the reality is the Bible teaches God loves impossible situations. And I, I, I caught their vision that, that if we declare us as hopeless, that we can't turn around this crazy uh, agenda that the Democrats have and, and what they're doing within the voting part of it to, to stack it on their side, that if we don't address our people and give them hope that God gets into the fight when it becomes impossible. That's when he gets the most glory. That changed the dream in my heart that I want to be a part of something that seems impossible. But, uh, you know, one of my uh, in my early voting years, my second president that I voted for was Ronald Reagan, and he took California in that day. And I God spoke to me and said, start dreaming a dream. It's no longer the Titanic. This is where God could show up here in California and turn the tides. And just to show the redemption is possible for everyone, the first president you voted for was Jimmy Carter. That's correct. <laughs> I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, Kevin Francis O'Connor, Catholic, Irish, and Democrat. And yes, I, I, I voted for Jimmy Carter. But as amazing as Ronald Reagan came across, I, all of a sudden I went, wow, there was something conservative in my soul that rang to the Bible. And as a very young man, I started saying, I think I identify more with what he's uh, showing in smaller government in the role that that we got to get out of education in the government and get it back to the hands of the people. I really, really resonated with Ronald Reagan's message. But you look at the, the voting numbers, you look, Democrats win by 20 plus points in every statewide race. But you look at how many Christians are registered and what percentage of Christians are then voting. And there's a there's a huge untapped voting pool there. You know, what the statistics that we heard at the Renewal Project opened my eyes also to that if uh, just in the state of California, um, we have millions of Christians that don't go to the polls, they don't vote, even that are registered. We have millions that aren't registered. And uh, that that has uh, understood this new that on my watch as a watchman on the wall, I need to alert the people they're not doing their job. To what extent is there the sense in, in, in Christianity that, well, render unto God that which is God's, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and we're focusing on rendering unto God, and not, we're not going to get involved in that secular, icky political stuff? Well, you know, that that's one of the best uh, illustrations for you to bring up, Greg, because um, the reality, what Jesus was saying there, he took a coin. He says, whose image is this? He says, so render to God uh, what is gods and render to caesar what is caesar well we're all created in god's image and so was caesar created in god's image so really we render caesar over to god and so the reality is the church is supposed to play a vital role of influencing our culture and our Mm -hmm. government amen that's very true and we're seeing that right now with uh, there was just, uh, and you mentioned Pastor Jack Hibbs. He's been on our show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was part of the group of evangelical pastors that launched uh, this new uh, area for the campaign and for the administration, Evangelicals for Trump. Uh, he went back to Florida for that launch. So it certainly seems like there is a move afoot. I don't want to get out over the tips of my skis, but... It does seem like there's an awakening happening. 
oh, this is definitely what I felt like. There, were, there was a synergy that was beyond natural that went through the Renewal Project conference there where I, there were, I was actually moved to tears at certain points where I said, God, I have hope again for California. Mm. I believe that, yes, if my peers – would hear the message that's going out through the Renewal Project, and they would get involved. You know, they, they gave just a simple thing that I don't know if your listeners know this, that, you know, the there was a some kind of a digital glitch that 160,000 voting members, uh, their registration party had been switched or switched to no party at all. And interestingly, nobody was switched to being a Republican. They were either switched to no party or to the Democratic Party. And realimpact.us, you can go on and check your registration there to see if you were switched. Guess what I've discovered? I was no. switched. Really? I was switched to no affiliation whatsoever. And I mm. went, oh, my goodness, how could this be? And that sets you up that you're in trouble in the primaries with that if if you're not registered properly in that. So luckily, because they gave that word out, uh, let me encourage you. Get out there and go to that website. You can check your registration on that website. That's realimpact.us. And, uh, man, I, I had an eye opener. I put it on my Facebook page. My wife put it on. We, we told all our, our parishioners, share it with everybody because something is happening here that, again, they're, they're fearful. Let's Absolutely. take a break. Let's take a break here and hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More Pastor Kevin O'Connor after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizens. The watchman for the republic is the way I like to call it. Pastor, I, I have long held that you can trace the DNA of nearly every issue that we're faced with today, both in the culture and politically, back to a place where churches were either bullied out of the public square or chose by virtue of whether you want to blame it on the Johnson Amendment or trying to you know walk that fine line with a diverse political group of parishioners. But I think at some point uh, we can look back um, probably from the 50s and 60s and say, you know, when the church withdrew from the public square, 
that that's really where things started to get out of uh, out of alignment in our culture and things got rapidly uh, came unraveled. Um, and that by getting back involved in the culture, we can reverse some of that. What are, what are your thoughts now that you've spent some time contemplating this uh, as the Renew- California Renewal Project event held in Orange County this past week stimulated your thinking on it? You know, you're absolutely correct that it actually before the 50s and 60s, you know, during uh from 1938 to 1945, six million Jews were put to death. And it happened earlier in that, that that could happen in the place where Protestant, the Protestant faith was birthed in Germany. And the pulpits were silent because they were told mm. that they shouldn't fray into the area of government. So they, they were bullied. They were, they were silent until they realized they made a mistake. And then you would think we would have learned that lesson, but you're right. By the time the 50s even came around, just a few years after World War II, when that many Jews were put to death because the silent pulpits that we again said, let's not get into the cultural fray. Let's just speak the gospel as if the two don't intersect. And the marketplace is is talked about every aspect from borders. That's God has that in this in the scriptures that that mm-hmm. he places the boundaries there. So there's a reason why God wants boundaries for countries, boundaries for every every aspect of life. And so um, we've really missed it uh, by being quiet. I'm going to change something where I was going with this. Martin Luther King said that some things are right and some things are wrong, no matter if everyone is doing to the contrary. Some things in this universe are absolute. The God of the universe has made it so. And as long as we adopt this relative attitude towards right and wrong, we are revolting against the very laws of God himself. On the other hand, Adolf Hitler said, nature is cruel. Why shouldn't man be just as cruel? Hmm. So in the absence of a God, and this is the key to the found Psalm thirty-three, twelve that we mentioned earlier, is... What you get, and we're seeing that, are we seeing now in society what it means is when we don't have a God and we adopt moral relativism and it becomes do what you want to do. Yeah. Do you know, this was actually prophesied uh, 2,700 years ago by the prophet Isaiah. It says that there'll be a day in, in the world when people consider good evil and evil good, that they'll consider light as darkness and darkness as good. Mm. great light they'll consider what was sweet bitter and what was bitter sweet man when you see the issues in our society with the gender issues with the sex education all, our world really has gone upside down and it's because people have walked away from a standard that comes from a creator right when there is no god then there is there is no moral standard out of hitler's Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can kill six million Jews is just as good as anyone else saying, no, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right, Greg. One of the other great points that you, you were at our last Christmas party and you spoke there is you talked about raising children or preparing children and how that has changed. Yeah. Do you know, it was interesting at your Christmas party, I showed you some pictures. I showed you a picture of the playground in the turn of the century to the to the 20th century. And it looked like they were all going out for the circus, 20 feet high monkey bars and different things and swinging from it all on a concrete 
below. And then you look at the uh, playground system in 2019. It's all rubberized. It's all plastic. It's barely six feet high. And I believe that we prepared our children in the turn of the last century to be able to be winners. They won World War One and World War Two on the playground because we prepared our children for what real life was. Today, we're preparing them for socialism. Amen to that. I can't uh, disagree at all with what you're saying. Uh, I want to get back, if if uh, we could, to your experience at the California Renewal Project uh, event. That uh, these happen all over the country and throughout California, and I've I've been aware of them for a couple of years now. I'm curious, given what you guys were doing to get people to register and engage the culture. What do you foresee happening in 2020 that's going to be different than what you guys were doing as a church to address the kinds of things that came up? Where where do you see your trajectory changing, both in terms of the the things you you guys will do, as well as the types of messages that you will be uh, giving to the folks who attend your church? Well, we're definitely moving these conversations that the church should be having into our small groups, to our Bible studies and our Sunday school classes, and then also from the pulpit. I'm I'm not worried about uh, who will walk. Uh, I've I've come to the conclusion I got to worry about how God's going to judge me and our church, other than mm. what people will judge what's culturally. Uh, Correct in today. And so we're we're actually looking. uh, I just talked with our board Tuesday night when I came back from this and said, we need to put a game plan together in 2020 that this will get into every area of who we are as a church, not because we're becoming a political machine. We're becoming a biblical machine that knows what is politically correct in this day and time. And Pastor Kevin O'Connor is with the Ark of the Nazarene Church in Redlands at 1307 East Citrus Avenue. And their doors are open and their their Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. And they have a, a Bible study at Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And everyone is invited to hear more from Kevin. I know that some of our people, many of our Tea Party members are congregants of his church and pe- people that have been with other churches in our in our group mm-hmm. are now going to... Pastor Kevin's church. So come come check him out and, and what he's doing there. Thank you, Greg. You know, Great I, to have you with us. Thank you. In our last remaining time here, um, how about compassion? Christians are supposed to be compassionate. On the other hand, Dr. Ben Carson says, a truly moral nation enacts policies that encourage personal responsibility and discourage self-destructive behavior by not subsidizing people who live irresponsibly and make poor choices. How does that inform what what compassion should be? Yeah, that that's really how I switched from a Democrat to a Republican because my mom raising eight kids as a single parent in Philadelphia, we were dependent on social network to the, the government network and social network of churches to take care of us. And under Ronald Reagan, I learned that I could rise above that. None of my brothers and sisters today are have had had to go back on government assistance in any way, even though we grew up on it. We're all uh, striving and thriving because of a philosophy that you can grow. Safety net is one thing, but 
the government dole, something completely different. We got Absolutely. About, we got about 30 seconds. Pastor Kevin, any final thoughts? You know, um, I want to especially encourage and challenge my peers, my pastor friends out there. Um, there's no other day that has greater clarity of what the moral issues are, what is facing our kids. My tax dollars are going to one day pervert my little granddaughter that, that will celebrate her third birthday here on February 3rd, that it will pervert her mind on my dollars? No way. It's time wow. for the church to come alive. I think a, a great and mighty army is awakening. Amen, Amen to that. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for the, the cause of the Lord and for freedom in America and for being on our show today. We're definitely going to have you back. Uh, stay tuned after the break here, and we're going to be getting into some other local politics and what's going on now that the uh, there's a new, new crop of socialists city council members in Riverside. Back after this. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizens. What a great guest to have, especially leading into an election year where uh, you can see churches now starting to really understand uh, what the opportunities are to serve the community in this really important area. And not a second too late, Greg. Let's hope it's not a second too Let's hope it's not too late. It's let's not. But I've got a interesting little audio clip for you and an interesting guest for us to contemplate both of those. I ran into this audio clip reading an article entitled, get this, over 700 socialists have won elections in America. You can find this article on the website called AmericanMajority.org. And it starts off with a quote from Reagan. You love quotes, and this is a great one. Socialism only works in two places, heaven, where they don't need it, and hell, where they already have it. That's from President Ronald Reagan. And on in this, embedded in this article is a 44-second clip 
of a candidate for Denver City Council recorded three months before the election in 2019. Here's what this candidate for city council in the city of Denver, in the state of Colorado, had to say about why she's running for office. I I don't believe that our current economic system actually works. Um, Capitalism by design is extractive, and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late-phase capitalism, and we know it doesn't work, and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so whatever that morphs into, I think is what will serve community the best. And I'm excited to usher it in by any means necessary. Cue the Soviet anthem. What could possibly go wrong with that? Does that just send a chill up your spine? I'm willing to do to implement this uh, land, labor, resources, and the distribution of those by any means necessary. Right. Oh my that, gosh, that's not that's not. I'm going I'm to try to convince a majority of the people to support communism, and that's not socialism. That's communism. That is outright communism. And we've seen the devastation and destruction in mass killings of tens of millions of people and in economic deprivation brought on by communism in the 20th century. Well, remember, Greg, socialism is just communism for slow learners. So they're directly connected. You can vote your way into socialism, but you got to shoot your way out. We had a little bit of a dust up here in the city of Riverside earlier this week that actually has echoes of what that lady was just saying. And I invited Sean Mill, who was a candidate for the recent elections in the city of Riverside. There were four uh, seats that were up for re-election. Sean ran in Ward 5 against uh, Gabby Placentia. She was the other uh, candidate in the general election that happened in November. And Sean lost that election by a little over 200 votes in Ward 5. Now, I guess there's somewhere right around 20,000 registered voters there, which means he lost by 1% of the registered voters, uh, pretty close to 5% of those that decided to elect. To, uh, elect. He uh, ran a hard race. Uh, you know, he lost by 200 votes. But the story that we want to pick up with Sean and welcome him into the show has to do with something that happened last Friday. I got a call from Sean. He alerted me to this. And so I want Sean to tell our listeners a little bit about what unfolded for him as this uh, city council, this now city councilwoman, Gabby Placentia, tried to boot him off of a very important planning position called the Planning Commission for the City of Riverside. Sean Mill, welcome to the Unite IE Radio Show. Hey, good afternoon, uh, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Great. Hey. We're, do- we're, do- we're doing good, and it's uh, great to have you here. And I want you, if you would, to kind of pick up the story of what unfolded for you that led to Gabby Placentia putting an agenda item on the city council agenda this past Tuesday 
asking for you to resign. You didn't. So she made a move to have the city council vote to boot you off of the planning commission. Tell us how all that came about. Okay. Well, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Gabby and I had a, you know, pretty heated uh, campaign and, and Gabby, you know, she prevailed. Um, and uh, I was very gracious in the feet, called Gabby and, you know, told her that I'm always here to, to, to help her in any way that I can. Uh, you know, I, I have extensive experience as a, as a planning commissioner. And uh, so yeah, I hadn't heard anything from her. Um, and I get a phone call from her this past Friday. And she says, you know, this councilwoman Vicentia, and I'm calling to ask you to resign immediately. And I said, well, Gabby, why, why would I, I resign? And she says, well, because you're unethical. And I said, do you care to expand on that comment? And she goes, I don't need to explain myself to you. And I said, well, I can uh, let you know right now. It's an unequivocal no, I will not resign. So she said, well, if you don't resign, um, I'm sure you and your family are not going to like having your name dragged through the mud and hung up on me. So within that was at about noon. The very next phone call I made was to the city attorney to document the fact that the council member is calling and threatening me. At uh, somewhere just before 5 p.m. that day, she went and used an emergency, the emergency uh, measure ordinance uh, to skirt the city's open meeting laws and uh, sunshine ordinance and got a second council member to sign off on it. And they placed on the agenda uh, my removal from the Riverside City Planning Commission. And they and the report indicated no reason why I needed to be removed. And it gave no reason why they needed to use the emergency statute to get around uh, the open meeting laws that are in place for the city. But she publicly said that you had ethics issues. You had vi- you made ethical uh, ethics violations. She cited ethics violations as the reason right. to do this. Right. So, so what she was referring to were were debunked allegations that were made by uh, some liberal bloggers uh, when I served on the planning commission in Los or in Los Angeles in Santa Ana. Uh, some folks that made the uh, made allegations claiming that I was illegally serving on the Santa Ana Planning Commission and living in Riverside. Uh, unfortunately for them, that was that was false. They hired a private investigator to follow me. Follow me. Uh, the city of Santa Ana did a, looked into the allegations. The city attorney found them to be unfounded and told me that, you know, you can continue serving. We feel that, you know, you're doing nothing wrong and there's no problem with you serving on the Santa Ana Planning Commission. Um, I was, I was, uh, spending time, most of my time in Santa Ana because my, my mother was dying of terminal cancer and I was taking care of my mother. Um, I guess, you know, they would have preferred if I would have just left her there to, to, um, you know, be on her own. But I felt that it was my duty to, to, you know, spend my time, most of my time in Santa Ana. So, you know, I was married, my wife and daughter lived in Riverside and I spent my weekends in Riverside and all week because my brother was able to be in with my mom on the weekend. So, you know, all that being said, they, Gabby said, well, he was forced to resign. She's right. I was forced to resign, but not by the city of Santa Ana or the city council or anybody. I was forced to resign 
by my wife because these folks had hired a private investigator and she found the private investigator peering into my daughter's window, my teenage daughter's window. Nice. My wife and my wife called me and said, you know what? We're not having this. And she says, and, and she let me up. She says, you know, and, and sometimes in life, even though I, you know, I, I love serving the citizens of Santa Ana, you got to keep peace at home. And right. So I, I and, and so that's that's how we got there. So but the Gabby, point, but the point but is, Gabby, the you, ethics violations that she was referring to had nothing to do with your service to the city of Riverside on the planning no. commission for Riverside. Correct. So the allegations. Let's say that. Let's just say that that what she alleged was true. It has no bearing on on Riverside. It has yep. nothing to do with my service. She's not saying that I ever violated any. Any uh, any ethics uh, code for the city of Riverside, but on top of that, she used the emergency ordinance to place it on the agenda. And the only reason you should use that is because new evidence has come to light, and the issue is so pressing that if we don't act now, it will damage the city of Riverside. But unfortunately, Gabby had used the same line of of BS during the campaign, so she's been using this for a year already. She's known well known about these allegations, these debunked allegations for over a year, and yet she used an emergency ordinance to place something on the agenda in violation of the city's codes and ordinances uh, in an effort to extract political payback and try to embarrass me in front of the people of Riverside. Let the purge begin. Right. As soon as she she comes in, we need to start purging people that don't agree with her from from the city planning commission and, and other boards and commissions. But it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not he agreed with her. She gave reasons at the city council meeting that our listeners are just going to blow their minds when they hear what Gabby was trying to say as the reason that he that she wanted to move Sean out of a position he had two more years to serve in and bring in other people. I am committed to changing the faces of our boards and commissions while giving others in our community the opportunity to get involved civically. Only 26% of Ward 5 commissioners are people of color. Two commissioners sit on two boards each. The first commissioner that I asked to resign chose to give me the opportunity as a councilwoman to carry out our city's core values and not make it personal. Where is the equity and access for all my constituents who would like to serve? Did you know that there's only one woman on the Budget Engagement Commission? I suspect that many of the other commissions are much of the same. I do, why do I have to wait till their term is up and hope that they don't apply for a second term before I can work on our city's core values and bring a diverse perspective onto our boards and commissions? Some of the commissioners' terms aren't up until 2023, and if they choose to stay for a second term, I would not be allowed to choose a commissioner for eight years or so. At what point is it our responsibility to change the status quo? If I stand by and continue to allow these inequities to go on, it defeats the purpose of why I ran for office to begin with. I am not trying to offend our commissioners or imply that they aren't valued, but you can deny that there is something wrong with not having our demographics reflected in our boards and commissions. We just passed Martin Luther King Day this this past Monday. And we know that his famous dream speech that I, I have a dream that my four little children one day will live in a nation where they will be judged 
by the color, not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And what she's saying is you want to judge people by the color of their skin. Exactly right. There's a whole nother chapter of this story I want to get into with our guest, Sean Mill. He's a planning commissioner for the city of Riverside. He was a city council candidate for Ward 5. And let's continue the story of what unfolded Tuesday night after our break for our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are visiting with uh, Riverside Planning Commissioner Sean Mill, who was uh, defeated in the last election for city council by Gabby Placentia, who then proceeded to almost immediately, upon taking office, purge him from the Planning Commission, first claiming bogus ethical allegations, and then and she admitted it at the city council meeting because of the color of his skin. He's white, and she doesn't like that and wants someone of a different color. Ironically, this happening on the same week of Martin Luther King's birthday. Now, you were talking about the vote, and something struck me. The difference was 200 votes, and that was about 5% of the total vote cast. So that's about 4,000 total votes out of a district in which there are 20,000 registered voters. And then whatever the number of eligible voters, which is beyond the number of registered voters. Although in California, I guess the number of registered voters can exceed in some places the number of eligible voters. Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, but you you were talking just at the break here that you had some interesting um, calls or postcards or letters or correspondence from some of the um, constituents of the Fifth Ward. Yeah, so I, I, I received, you know, communication from from uh, at least four different folks that, that are registered voters in, in Ward 5, um, Republicans. Uh, they've all vote, they all voted in the last three presidential elections. Um, they're all white. Uh, you know, I don't want to make it a racial issue, but let's just, you know, they're all white, white Republicans. And they said that they received a postcard from the Registrar of Voters informing them that their ballot in the last election, which they cast in my favor, um, was not accepted because their signatures uh, did not match what the Registrar of Voters office had on file. So they threw out their ballot. Wow. But some illegal alien comes in and scratch, throw, you know, puts his X there or something <clears throat> unintelligible. Oops. We need to we'll, we'll count that vote. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, in this story, I got a call from Sean on Friday, late Friday, 
and then we discussed this in detail on Saturday morning. Uh, I told Sean I'd be happy to come out and speak on his behalf. But there were people that were there Tuesday night to vouch for Sean's character, both as a candidate, as a planning commissioner for Ward 5, as someone who actually took an active interest in a project that's coming up there. It's immaterial for this conversation what that was. But they indicated that he was the only person who had taken an interest in what their concerns were for the community, not Gabby, not the mayor, not anybody other else on the planning commission, just Sean. You had about 50 people there that were in attendance in support of you, and about, I don't know how many people actually got up and spoke, but it sure seemed like about half of them, roughly 25 did. And to a person, everybody got up and spoke and vouched for you, your character, that uh, you being... Uh, maligned with this uh, unethical behavior, which wasn't really spelled out that there was, uh, that, that it made it seem like there was other unethical behavior besides what she cited. And as someone who's in the financial services industry, that kind of an allegation could damage your employment, uh, you know, uh, future prospects for employment if somebody looks and finds an article in the press enterprise as there was with an allegation of unethical behavior that she made that was in the press enterprise article that directly impacts you and your ability to earn a living oh without a doubt but if you remember at the meeting gabby warned anybody that got up she before they spoke she says i warn any of you that plan to get up here and vouch for this man that you better be very careful. If I were you, I would go Google his name. That sounded like a threat to me, and she was trying to basically yep. damage my reputation. And, I, you know, as, as you said, in my industry, first of all, I, I have to, I'm licensed by the, by the state of California, the Department of Insurance, to do my job, and they've done a full background investigation, and if there were anything nefarious in my background, um, I wouldn't have the license that I do. But to say that, my customers, one of the first things people do before they're going to decide who they do business with, they, they're going to go and Google your name and see what they, what's going on. And for Gabby to make you know, accusations like this, it, it, it very well could hurt my ability to, to bring home the bacon, so to speak. Economic but warfare. It is deliberate and it is deliberate and intentional economic warfare to make you give in to what she wants and to suppress your right to express yourself. And we see that happening all repeatedly with the left and the Democrat Party. Sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to make that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I just wanted to go back to something that, that you spoke about, where you mentioned that it was, uh, you know, that this is the week that we celebrate uh, Dr. King's birthday. Uh, you know, I'm married to a black woman. My father-in-law is the head of the Riverside Clergy Association that puts on all of the King Day events throughout the Riverside area. And for her to make, you know, try to, uh, you know, insinuate, bring race into the issue and all that is it, a slap in the face to me. Uh, you know, my father-in-law is the, has, is the preeminent civil rights guy in, in the city of Riverside. And for her to attack me, on the day after Martin Luther King Day, using the color of my skin as a reason for coming after me, 
is is just shameful. And it's shameful that a sitting council member did it from the dais. And it's shameful that none of her none of her colleagues, with the exception of Councilman Chuck Condor, uh, took her to task for doing so. Well, I think you mentioned the project earlier, and then, and may have some. I think it does have a lot of bearing on this. This project, as I understand it, they want to build a hundred and twenty bed shelter for homeless drug addicts in the Fifth Ward, of course, way away from where Gabby Placentia lives. And you're the only person that's shown any interest in hearing what the constituents and the people who live in the Fifth Ward are think about that. Oh, you know. I- I was initially told by the mayor's chief of staff that the, that the neighbors completely supported the project. And so I was at an event and someone in that neighborhood came up to me and said, so where do you stand on, on the St. Michael's project? And I said, well, uh, you know, I, I hear the neighborhood loves it. I said, so, and he looked at me like I had three heads. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, you need to come and speak to my, my neighbors. And so I said, okay, I, I will. And I went to, I've walked that neighborhood every door. I've knocked on every door in that neighborhood three or four times. I've sat in, oh, 10, 20 living rooms. And to date, not a single neighbor has uh, said that they're in support of the project. And, you know, I told them, I said, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to vote against the project because I haven't heard both sides and heard all the evidence. But what I am going to guarantee is that your voices are going to be heard by everybody at City Hall. And I've been their advocate to make sure that their concerns have been heard by, by everybody. Um, we had a, there were, they had, it was actually a, a grassroots meeting. Just the neighbors, they wanted to meet with the people who wanted to put the project in, and they went around all their neighbors, told them, hey, the, the project folk are going to come over. And the mayor's office was angry that 100 neighbors organized the meeting to talk about the project. One of the mayor's staffers told him, how dare you hold a meeting without getting the mayor's office's approval first? And I was shocked wow. by that. And I, from that point on, I told them, I will advocate to make sure your voice is heard at City Hall. And I think that's, and Gabby's, Gabby supports the project 100%. And she doesn't want their voices heard. And I, I think that plays into this, too. Sounds like abuse of power to me, Greg. And we're going to follow this story, Sean. Thank you for taking time to be with us to uh, get our listeners up to speed on what happened. But it sounds like this is just chapter, well, actually, maybe chapter two or three with a lot more to come. Sean, thank you so much for uh, for taking an interest in the city, for running, for being on a in a volunteer uh, position and for your diligence in representing the community. Greg, we got to go. We got to go, unfortunately. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. 
Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free. So call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. AM 590, the answer.